All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And now, your host for today's program, Dale Throneberry. Now, welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry, CW2 helicopter pilot in Vietnam, 1969, centuries ago. Welcome to our program. I'm really excited to have you on and with us. We're going to be talking with some uh, Gold Star family from Operation Song. Remember, we've talked to them in the past, and they've got a just a wonderful story, um, an emotional story. And so I'm looking forward to uh, talking with them. Uh, and then in the second half of the program, uh, Dr. Rebecca Grant will be here to talk about what's going on in Israel and the Middle East and uh, some other things that you know. She's our foreign affairs expert extraordinaire. So uh, just get ready to get yourself comfortable, sit back and relax. And uh, first thing I have to do always is I have to thank our sponsors because without them, we would never be here. So I want to start off by thanking Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans specializes in veterans' disability claims. Uh, you can, for more information, you can go to their website. That's LegalHelpForVeterans.com. Or give them a call at 800-693-4800. Uh, the National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVDDC, is the nation's leading third-party authority for certification of a veteran-owned business. For more information, you can go to their website, that's nvbdc.org, or give them a call at 888-237-8433. Uh, you want to do business with the government and your veteran-owned business, you got to get certified, and these are the folks that will do that for you. The Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. For more information, go to va.gov slash Ann Arbor Healthcare. And finally, uh, we've got residential home health and hospice care for veterans and their families. For more information, go to residentialhealthcaregroup.com or give them a call at 866-902-5854. For those of you that follow Veterans Radio, they were on the program last week um, talking all about their services. So I would encourage you to go to our archives and check out that story. It was really very, very informative, not only for civilians, but especially for veterans' families. We also want to thank our long, long-term local veterans' organizations for their support. That would be the Irwin Press Corps and American Legion Post 46, and finally the Charles S. Kettles Vietnam Veterans of America Chapter 310, both of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay, so we're going to get right into our story, and uh, we're having a little difficulty, I think, with the audio Maybe not. Wendell, are you there? No, unfortunately, I cannot hear them. Uh, while we're practicing this, I'm going to bring on the songwriter who helped them write the song. Let me let me back this up again. And this is the joy of live radio. Um, Wendell, I'm going to ask you to use your phone to call the station directly. And it's uh, the number is 734-822-1600. Seven three four eight two two sixteen hundred. Wow, ain't technology grand? So, mm -hmm. this the, <laughs> what we're asking the, the Pelhams to do, and this is um, Wendell and Don Pelham. They're the the parents of uh, John Pelham, who was uh, killed in action in um, in Afghanistan. And um, you know, we've been working or talking about um, Operation Song for. 
well, for a long time, but recently we've started highlighting them on a regular basis. And so I've got the writer of the music today, and that's Steve Williams. So, Steve, welcome to Veterans Radio. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. You know, we had the opportunity to uh, to talk with Steve a little bit more when the program before we went on the air. And um, he said that that working with, with Don and Wendell was such a pleasure and such an amazing family. I mean, that that was the whole thing that you talked about. The whole family got involved. How did you put that the first song together? It's entitled Larger Than Life. Well, I remember uh, John's dad, Wendell, uh, told me that he, he suspected that John would be bigger after his death, more popular um, than than he was in life. And, um, you know, the term larger than life uh, came to mind. And, um, you know, what it says in the song and the hook of the song says you're bigger than death when you're larger than life. And I, I think Wendell was right. Uh, from what I can tell, um, they, they, they have a, a, they have a program called Live Like John. Uh, and, and a lot of people are, are, remember John more so than when he was among us, you know. No, and we were, we, we talked earlier a little bit about, you know, he, he, he he's going to be 22 forever. Yeah. And, um, I, I can't imagine that. I, I can't imagine that. Well, I, I, we've got Wendell on the phone line, and hopefully I can hear both of you, Wendell and Don. Uh, these are the the mom and the dad in this story. So, Wendell, welcome to Veterans Radio. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us on today. It's, um, it's an honor to be with you. Well, it's an honor for us to talk to you, and, and Don, welcome as well. Thank you so much. Oh, good. It's a good connection. I like it. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so tell me a little bit about Army Specialist John Alexander Pelham. <laughs> well, um, John was an awesome young man, full of potential and promise, and uh, always in a hurry. Once he made up his mind to do something, you needed to get out of the way because he, was, he wasn't going to stop till he accomplished it. But then he found himself struggling a bit in high school. Um, sports and girls were way more interesting than schoolwork. And uh, he ended up a few credits short the end of his junior year to be able to graduate. So he opted to go to a, a school about 300 miles away from us in Bend, Oregon, called the Oregon Youth Challenge. And it was uh, run by the National Guard. And he had the opportunity there to learn how to learn and to really grow into his potential. And they really helped him turn his life around. He, he was into everything there. He was the student government president. He was the, uh, what was there? The drill team leader. The drill team leader. Uh, anyway, he really excelled. He could have graduated from high school there, but he opted to go back for his senior year to his high school here in Portland and um, play baseball and show everyone that he wasn't a mess up and that he could do what what he knew he could do, what we knew he could do. So he did really well. He was a scholar athlete, which had never happened before, and uh, played baseball after not after being academically ineligible for the prior years, and uh, got on as a senior, did really great, ended up getting a 
scholarship to a small college in uh, Redding, California, and um, went there to play baseball. And about halfway into the first term, he came home one weekend, just showed up and just said, you know, I feel like I'm wasting my time here. And we were just like, wait, what? You're playing baseball. You're in college. You're doing, you know, kind of living the dream. And he said, no, I think I'm going to join the Army, and uh, that's what I need to do. I'm going to finish this semester, and then I'm going to get into the Army. And that's what he did. He um, he went in and saw the recruiter. He got the uh, MOS that he wanted, and, you know, next thing we knew, he was going into the Army. And, uh, again, he excelled. He loved that life. He loved his um his unit, the guys he worked with, and he loved what he was doing. He was an intelligence analyst, really good at it. Um, we found out after the fact that how really good he was. <laughs> and so, um, he, you know, he just made us really proud, and uh, he loved what he was doing, serving the country, had two deployments, and just a few months short of the end of the second deployment was when he was killed in Afghanistan. And... Uh, so that's his, his bio in a nutshell. Well, it, it you know, like, you know, it, it said that, you know, you're in a couple of medals. I'll, I'll fill in some of the blanks that I was able to find. Uh, Bronze Star, Purple Heart, Army Commendation, Joint Service Achievement Medal, National Defense Medal, Afghanistan Campaign Medal with Campaign Star, Global War on Terrorism. Uh, it was a combat action badge and a parachutist, um, badge. And, uh, that takes a lot. That, that's a special person in the military to accomplish all that at, you know, 22 years old. And, yeah. uh, I'm sure that, I'm, I'm sure that this whole thing has, has been so difficult for you, but it's a fairly large family from what I understand. And yes. then this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to ask you to go to, to Operation Song. And how did you get involved with them? Um, we have, um, a group of, of different nonprofits that we partner with throughout the country. And one of them said, Hey, there's this organization in Nashville that helps veterans, um, and Gold Star families have songs written about their, themselves, their experiences, or in our case, their loved one. And so I reached out and, and, uh, made contact with them and, and they reached back out and, and put Stephen in our lives, and and uh, that's been a. This is a boy, you can tell. So, Stephen, I'm going to jump up to you because you were telling me about how you tried to put this song together mm-hmm. with the, with the <laughs> the Pelham clan mm-hmm. to to do this. So, could you kind of tell our audience about this on the on the first song? There are two songs, by the way, that they put together here, and right. play both of them at today so if i uh, go ahead i'm sorry if i remember correctly wendell uh correct me and don if i'm wrong um but the first time that we wrote uh was the whole family involved all the siblings Um, yeah you had written you had written the first song and we Mm -hmm. gave it to the family and then um we had a, a zoom call with all of them and just so they could give you the last touch-ups, if you would, and that's when they mentioned uh, Angelversary. 
Right. Well, okay. So now, that, now I recall. Um, but I remember uh, speaking to you after we finished Larger Than Life, and you said this is this is perfect because John's anniversary is coming up in February. I think you said the twelfth. I think you said, and um, and then as soon as you said the word anniversary, I went ding 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 ding. Uh, you know, it, it just it sounded like a song to me. And I thought that's probably even going to be a better tribute to John than the first song. Um, but I, I mean, I think they're both, uh, you know, great, good songs. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what we were able to accomplish. Um, but I, I, that's how the second, but, but backtracking here, uh, riding with, uh, all of John's siblings as well. I found that to be pretty challenging because there was a lot of emotions there that day. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. And, um, we, uh, why don't we play the first song? We're going to, the first song is entitled, not entitled, it's titled. One of my critics out there says I say <laughs> too often. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's entitled, whack, <laughs> <laughs> uh, titled Larger Than Life. So let, uh, Derek, let's play Larger Than Life. Larger than life. 
That was uh, Stephen Williams. The song is entitled Larger Than Life, uh, dedicated to John Alexander Pelham. Uh, you know, every time I hear these songs that, that these Operation Song people write along with the families and the veterans and stuff, there there's so much emotion in them and there's so much truth to all of them. But I, I just think it's, how did you feel when you heard that song of Don? Well, <laughs> I just felt like Stephen did such a great job just capturing the emotion. And Wendell and I were talking earlier about when you go to one of the national cemeteries and you just see the, the sea of headstones and, you know, each of those people had a story. They have families, they have loved ones they left behind and, and to have a personal song for our son just means the world to us. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, again, I can't imagine this whole thing. So, so Stephen, uh, when you wrote the song, you mentioned, you know, that, that, that you, uh, went in, you know, went on a zoom call with the whole family and, you know, they made some suggestions to you and then you, and they mentioned the word, uh, about the idea of the angelversary and the bells went off. And so what this, was this a joint effort with everybody in the, in the, in the family? Well, I don't, uh, as I recall, I don't, uh, we didn't really set out to write two songs, but when Wendell, uh, said, uh, this is perfect. This first song, he said, because John's angelversary is coming up. And I, I just felt compelled to write another, you know, I, I thought I can't just leave that title sitting there, <laughs> you know, I mean, this, it's worthy of being written in on John's behalf, you know, and, and, uh, and, and actually, I was just very inspired. Um, and whenever uh, you have inspiration like that, you you choose to get it done sooner than later, you know, while while the fire is still hot, you know, so to speak. I feel like you came back to us with that in about two days. Yeah. Or maybe well, even less. Yeah, I... It, it was pretty quick because, and that's the way I, I didn't want to let it sit around for a month or two, you know, it probably wouldn't have been as good, you know, um, because like, you know, inspiration was there. And, and that's the thing about writing with the uh, gold star families or any veterans, uh, world war two guys. Um, if you can't be inspired by their stories, then you're probably not breathing, you know, <laughs> you know, um, I sent I sent my brother a CD once uh, of all these Operation Song um, songs that I'd written with veterans, and he he wrote me back and said, "Wow," he says, "You must have been inspired." And I said, "You sit in a room for twenty minutes with any of these guys, and if you're not inspired, you know there's something wrong. <laughs> you're not living." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what, think, you know, that, that was what was amazing about that song was. Um, all of the kids had a say in the conversation with Steve. I mean, he, he was very gracious and listened to everything they had to say and then came back with that song. So each of them has a tie to that song. Each of them can mm-hmm. hear their emotion or their thoughts that Steve was um, so receptive to, 
to grab and and build both the songs really i mean they're they're both really dynamic and and when we play them at events or play them for other people you know i i will often say hey by the way i'm going to send you something really special um before you play it i strongly encourage you to have at least one if not two handkerchiefs and half a <laughs> box not a full box of kleenex because they're that they're that moving and that touching and especially especially Angelversary, because as Steve and I talked, um, it's not a song that's just for combat deaths or or training accident death in the military or self-inflicted. It's for cancer patients. It's for heart patients. It's for anyone that loses a loved one. We all, whether you want to put it this way or not, get to have an Angelversary with them. Exactly. How many, how many of us go through an angel versary, you know, when we think about our parents or, you know, people that we were in the service with or our best friends and so on and so forth. And this mm-hmm. really does, it just strikes you right in the heart. And, and, you, and, and for those that are listening now, I, I encourage you to go to uh, our website, veteransradio.org, because we have the YouTube video that's, that's associated with the song up there for you. Don't do it right now. But, you know, shortly. And, um, I, I think it's going to affect you the same way. It's, it's, uh, we're going to play the song, but we're a video that goes along with it. It's just, it's some really great family pictures and, you know, a lot of pictures of, of, of John Pelham. And, you know, you, you can, you can just see the potential in this young man's eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know how you guys, you were able to write that song. I don't know how you could. Mm-hmm. You're so talented. I just, it drives me nuts. <laughs> well, I, I I agree with Wendell. Uh, anyone that's lost uh, a loved one can listen to this song and relate to it. It's it's not just about uh, a military death, but it is. We wrote it on John's behalf, but um, I think anyone can relate to this song. Well, I I, I certainly uh, agree with that. I, it's just it's such a a powerful story about a, a very you know courageous young man his life was cut way way too short yes sir and, um, you know and, and don and wendell uh, you know it sounds very cliched but um you know our heart goes out to you um on a daily basis that you know that your son was the one that was able to you know that was willing to pay that ultimate sacrifice and um you know we can we can, we can feel good about that but you know did it have to well, be and- and you know, Dale, coming from um, coming from a military family, um, my dad was a full colonel and retired, and, and uh, passed away a couple of years ago. My older brother was a staff sergeant in the Ranger Regiment. Uh, he passed away last year. Um, you know, those those two were great inspirations for John. Um, they helped him see um, what a family of warriors looks like and feels like and acts like and. And that was his opportunity to continue the legacy of the Pelham's service to our countries. And so, you know, at one at one side, yes, it's it's devastating. And what I think we would like the, the listeners to hear is each of us are going to go through devastating and heartbreaking um, issues and situations and opportunities in our lives. It's what we do after those situations or opportunities or devastating issues that make us 
who we are. And John's legacy is built around the opportunities that we've taken that have been given to us to show the nation, to show our neighbors, our friends, our family members, that even in the most devastating of times, can and will come, if you're open to them, some of the most amazing blessings that we will have ever have had. So having Stephen write the songs, amazing blessing. I got to serve for five years um, as a civilian advisor to the chief of staff of the Army on all things related to how we take care of our Gold Star families and uh, the siblings and the moms and the dads. Um, you know, we have a, an amazing nonprofit that allows us to serve the veteran community. We just donated, I think, 700 pairs of socks to a veteran's homeless shelter. Um, we, we started to um, put the seed capital up for a endowment fund at South Carolina University in the name of a pilot of a, of a Chinook helicopter. So, you know, it's, it's difficult at times. It's extremely emotional most of the time. But the opportunities to serve are just endless. And that's where, you know, with Operation Song and with what you guys are doing on Veterans Radio, if, if folks will hear the messages of be a great servant, serve your community, do something to be a servant, and your lives will be enriched beyond your absolute measure and imagination. So I'm assuming that you are pretty heavily involved then with, with the Gold Star family uh, organization. Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we um, with what I got to do for the military and then what we do with our own nonprofit, it's, you know, we, we, we reach out to quite a few people and they reach out to us and, you know, we get to give great counsel, uh, send them to their survivor outreach services um, organizations in their cities or towns so they can make sure that they're getting all the features, benefits, and entitlements that they deserve and rightfully should have. Um, you know, in the five years I was on the Survivors Advisory Working Group for the Chief of Staff. So I started with General Milley and ended with General McConnell and some of the legislation we got to pass for tax ramifications for kids who receive some of their, their fathers and mothers' uh, benefits um, was life-changing. Some of the medical opportunities to, to have medical coverage and mental health changes for some of these families. So, yeah, we, we, we're we real proud of what we've done um, and proud of the fact that we're the parents of John Pelham, who through his death allows us to continue this legacy of, of his. You know, somebody said, well, what do you think, you know, about your son? And I said, well, the biggest example he's given to me is when I die, not if. I need, to, I need to go being as passionate about whatever it is I was doing at that moment as John was when he got killed. Then I think we could all look back and go, yeah, we've had a pretty cool life. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love the strength that, you, that, that all of you Gold Star parents have. And um, I want to thank you both so very much for being on our program today. It was an honor for me to talk with you. It was an honor for me to talk with Steve. And, um, you know, if, if there's ever anything we can do, please let us know here at Veterans Radio, and we will be more than happy to promote whatever it is mm-hmm. that you've got going on out there. It's, it's, it's an honor for us to talk to people like you 
And um, we're going to uh, play the angel verse. This is what we're going to go out on for this segment of Veterans Radio. So I want to make sure that I thank Wendell. I thank Don. I thank your whole family for uh, sharing John's life with all of us. And uh, I want to, again, thank you all very much. And thank you, Steve, for the incredible talent that you brought to the show. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Okay, we're going to play the song. And when we are done with the song, we're going to have a little break and we're going to be coming back here with uh, Dr. Rebecca Grant. Talk about what's still going on around the world, folks. So you're listening to Veterans Radio. We'll be right back. I wonder what it's like way up in heaven There ain't a day not close to my heart But there's one day I'm bound to take it hard It's that time of year again Here come those tears again I'll raise my beer and toast you Pray for mercy on your angelversary Some people keep their love wrapped in a letter Some plant a tree and say it makes them feel better I take your pictures and your favorite song I can't help thinking about you all day long It's that time of year again Here come those tears again I'll raise my beer and toast your memory Each day since you've been gone I pray that I'll be strong Pray for mercy on your angel mercy. It's that time of year again. Here come those tears again. I raise my beer and toast your memory. Pray for mercy on your angel mercy. I pray for mercy on your angel mercy. Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one of them. Sergeant First Class Paul Smith gave his life to protect his troops. Tales after this. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at one 800 693 
1-800-273-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. On April 4, 2003, a call went out for a place to put some Iraqi prisoners. Sergeant First Class Paul Smith volunteered to create a holding pen inside a walled courtyard. Soon, Iraqi soldiers, numbering perhaps 100, opened fire on Smith's position. Smith was accompanied by 16 men. Smith called for a Bradley, a tank-like vehicle with a rapid-fire cannon. It arrived and opened up on the Iraqis. The enemy could not advance so long as the Bradley was in position. But then, in a move that baffled and angered Smith's men, the Bradley left. Smith's men, some of whom were wounded, were suddenly vulnerable. Smith could have justifiably ordered his men to withdraw. Smith rejected that option, thinking that abandoning the courtyard would jeopardize about 100 GIs outside, including medics at an aid station. He manned a 50 caliber machine gun atop an abandoned armored personnel carrier and fought off the Iraqis, going through several boxes of ammunition. As the battle wound down, Smith was hit in the head. He died before he could be evacuated from the scene. The Medal of Honor series is a production of Veterans Radio. Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative. Maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. We can all help someone going through a difficult time. Learn how you can be there for veterans. Visit VeteransCrisisLine.net. VeteransCrisisLine.net. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. And we're back here on Veterans Radio, and I hope you really enjoyed that segment. I did. Uh, that's, that was Operation Song. Um, they get together with the Gold Star families. Obviously, they also get together with veterans, and they they just sit down, and within a day or two, they they write a, a beautiful song, um, just a beautiful song. So I encourage you to go to operationsong.org and uh, help them out. Obviously, um, you know, feel free to make a donation to keep that program going. It's something we're really pleased to be associated with. Uh, coming up right now is where we're going to be talking to with our very good friend, uh, Dr. Rebecca Grant. Dr. Grant, as many of you know, who have been listening to Veterans Radio over the last 20 years, is our go-to person for foreign affairs, anything that has to do with the military. And she always knows, always knows. I don't know. She must have a lot of good inside connections and so forth there. But she is a national security analyst based in Washington, D.C. She earned her Ph.D. in international relations from the uh, London School of Economics. And she worked for the Rand Corporation, was on the staff of the Secretary of the Air Force and the Chief of Staff of the Air Force. She has founded her own uh, IRIS Independent Research Organization. She specializes in research for government and aerospace industry clients, ranging from the analysis of military campaigns to projects on major technology um, acquisitions, such as the B-21 bomber. She's written many uh, articles for the Air Force magazine. She appears regularly on Smithsonian, Fox News, CNN, and thankfully Veterans Radio and other media outlets talking about air power and national security. So, Dr. Grant, welcome back to Veterans Radio. Thank you, Dale. I'm delighted to be back on the air with you and talking from Veterans Radio. It's always uh, very interesting to talk with you, and there are many things going on in the world that we 
I uh, wanted you to, to to address, and of course, the, the main one right now is is Israel and, and Hamas. What's going on? Ah, uh, Dale, I'm telling you, the world is on fire. You know, I know everybody is watching this uh, in the press. Just as a quick overview of where the military piece of this stands, you know, big development in the last couple of days is Israel has. Um, they're continuing their air campaign, which they've been running mainly against the Hamas tunnel system and other command and control points. But Israeli defense forces have also moved through to the seacoast there in the northern part of the Gaza Strip. You know, Dale, it turns out that about, um, you know, 70 to 80 percent of Hamas's military capability and, you know, their ammunition storage and all that bad stuff is up in the northern part of Gaza so about a million civilians have moved uh, away and out of that area, and that is where the key operations are right now. You know, overall, Israel is trying to destroy Hamas's military capability. And then the big question, again, in the tactical side is, will any of the other Iranian-backed groups in the region jump into this conflict? The big concern, of course, is up in the north Lebanon's uh, Lebanese Hezbollah, who has 100,000 missiles and rockets of various types. Um, their leader, uh, Nasrullah, actually a couple of days ago gave a highly anticipated speech, but he pretty much kept his options open. There are um, attacks coming down from Lebanese Hezbollah into Israel, but it's been fairly low key so far. And so right now, we don't see a major move from Lebanese Hezbollah to join in this conflict, but the situation is still very, very dangerous. And of course, I'll let you get in here for a minute, but we of course have a lot of U.S. military forces in that region. We need to talk about that too. I was just going to ask that question because when when you were out here for our uh, fundraiser, uh, we were talking about what was going on in Syria and the other areas surrounding Israel. So what, where are we, U.S. troops, uh, right now, or where, where do you think they're going to be? Right. Well, before that surprise Hamas attack on October 7th, you remember, Dale, we have a lot of forces in the Middle East. They are there as part of the continuing anti-ISIS mission, you know, that was really achieved and finished back in 2018, early 2019. But for instance, we have, um, you know, about 1,500 forces still in Syria. A group is up there guarding the oil fields to make sure that no one tries to take those again. There's a, a really well-known little base uh, at Atanf, which is sort of a, a forward point. And we're, U.S. forces are there still as part of a, of a multi-nation coalition. Uh, we also, of course, have forces in Iraq still under a status of forces arrangement and focused, of course, on two uh, major air bases there, Al-Assad out to the west and then another base up towards um, the Kurdish regions in the north. Uh, we've had forces in and out of Jordan, air forces, for quite some time. And when this kicked off, we had F-35s there. So we already had forces in the region. And then Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin deployed another uh, wave of forces there, first aircraft to kind of beef up the surveillance and keep an eye on things. So your A-10s, F-16s, I think the F-35s in Jordan got extended. Um 
And then about 1,200 additional personnel. These are described as command and control folks. So, you know, there's uh, and also additional missile defenses like Patriot and THAAD, the Theater High Altitude Interceptor. Those are going to our um, our locations where we have U.S. forces in the Middle East. We've had actually Patriot missile batteries in at our base in Iraq since Iran attacked it back in January of 2020. Seems like a long time ago. Beefing that up, and then of course to not one but now two aircraft carrier strike groups. The um, the carrier USS Dwight Eisenhower was actually in the region doing an exercise with the Italians. Uh, there in the Mediterranean. So it was moved rapidly to the Eastern Med. And then they actually sent, um, I'm sorry, that was the Gerald Ford that was there doing the exercises. And they actually sent the Dwight Eisenhower, which is a ship out of Norfolk. They sent that aircraft carrier and her uh, strike group over to the Med as well. Although you know, indications may be that one of those can shift down into the North Arabian Gulf if necessary. And so those are big signals to Iran and to the Iran-backed militias and to Iran saying, hey, this means the U.S. has plenty of strike power in this region. So they're helping there with uh, surveillance, command and control, but also there is ample striking power there if Iran chooses to escalate. Also, um, a, a, uh, a detachment from the Marines, the 2-6 Mu, which is a special operations capable unit, they were in Kuwait when Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. They were doing a, a pre-planned exercise and they got um, back, they stopped the exercise, they got back on their ship, which was I think the USS Bataan, and they are also now in the region. And because they are special operations capable, that 2-6 Mu really brings a lot of capability in the area. So, uh, and that is without even going into, though, I'd love to talk about the, the folks that have been into Israel itself. We want to talk about that as well. But, you know, of course, number one priority for U.S. policy is ensuring the safety of these forces. There have been about 32 attacks out of, uh, into Iraq. Those are the, um, Iranian-backed militias in Iraq. And then a group coming out of attacks from Syria as well. But, you know, forces in the Middle East there, they are used to these attacks and, you know, they can take whatever these militias have to dish out. Phew. That's only part of it. Yeah. Um, we are talking with Dr. Rebecca Grant here on Veterans Radio. And you mentioned, do we have troops right now in Israel, as far as you know? Well, I wouldn't say troops, you know, no boots on the ground, but here's who's kind of been in and out of Israel. Uh, first, a Marine, uh, Lieutenant General James Glynn, who was a veteran of the uh, combat in Fallujah with the Marines. He went over in late October uh, to discuss urban warfare with the Israeli Defense Forces. He's back, I believe, at this point. We also apparently have a soft team of some variety there. The Pentagon kind of just lets a little information out, but they're not super clear. Of course, it's soft, so they're not going to tell us too much. And we seem to have some individuals, too, involved in a kind of an air-oriented um, planning element. That is probably for a, a couple of reasons, but one of which is we do have C-17s going in and out of Israel on a pretty regular basis. So what we have is some individuals there who are working with the Israeli Defense Forces really at their headquarters or at specific bases, helping U.S. security assistance flow in. 
Uh, and I think doing a little deconflicting, making sure our aircraft are getting in there fine. And I'm sure giving some overall advice as, uh, as I anticipate our military sharing a lot of surveillance and intelligence information with the Israeli Defense Forces too. I would, I would assume so. Are, are, are we, um, sending supplies into Israel yet? Oh gosh, yes. That started really quick. Interesting. And it, it kind of just runs the gamut from, um, something called small diameter bomb, which is a, as a, an airdrop musician, munition that's small, but with a really, um, packs a real punch and it's very precise. You can even use it on moving targets. That's for the Israeli air forces. Uh, we've sent, um, one five five millimeter shells because like everybody, uh, Israel sent a bunch of theirs up to Ukraine. I mean, you know, all the one five fives on the planet have practically gone to Ukraine. And so we're backfilling some of the one five fives that Israel had originally as well. And then there's been other types of assistance going in. And that started, in fact, almost uh, right away um, with the additional munitions and other security assistance that has that uh, the Biden administration started sending to Israel immediately. Speaking of Ukraine, which nobody speaks about anymore right now, how how do you see things uh, going there? Well, big topic of conversation in Washington because, you know, as usual here in D.C., we're in a, you know, where there's a budget countdown going on. And the Biden administration had sent to Congress a bill that combined the next tranche of aid for Ukraine along with the aid for Israel and the House with the new speaker. Uh, they're, they're wanting to pick that apart and do those as two separate bills. So there's a good bit of discussion about Ukraine. As to what's actually going on at the moment, there is renewed fighting around um, the town of Bakhmut, which was a scene of a really long, grinding campaign involving the Wagner Group. Russia did end up taking that city, but Ukraine has attacked on the flanks, and they are, in fact, attacking again today. And the good part about that, this is up in the east, but it's um, it's keeping Russia and the eastern part from advancing any further towards areas, particularly like the key road junction in the city of Kramatorsk. And then down in the south, we're continuing to see small attacks. Uh, you know, uh, Vladimir Zelensky really pushed back this week on uh, accusations that it's become a stalemate. And he says, no, that's not the case. But definitely Ukraine is looking to kind of change its operating concept. The fact remains they need to take back more territory, kick some more Russians out in order to get to a stable peace. There's no sign that Putin wants to negotiate. And the good news, if there is some here, is that um, the first of the Ukraine pilots are, are arriving in the U.S. to be trained on the F-16. Oh. That's uh, pretty interesting. See, you mentioned Putin, and I keep seeing these, I don't know, I guess they're rumors. I'm sure that they are, that he's not in good health. Have you heard anything along those lines? Those rumors pop up all the time, and yet I tell you, he's done a lot this year. You know, look what happened to Yevgeny Prigozhin, who died in that very mysterious plane crash after leading that mutiny against uh, Putin back in, in June. And um, so, you know, there he is. And uh, and Russia has been pretty active because, you know, no surprise here, Russia is on the side of Hamas. Of course, Russia is continuing to purchase uh, um, drones from Iran. 
and to, uh, you know, pledge their support for Iran. And of course, Russia has the, the forces, uh, of their own down in Syria and at uh, Latakia, which is one of their key bases in that region. So what all U.S. forces continue to have, you know, eyeballs on the Russians that are still in that uh, eastern part of Syria. So Russia is still very active. Whether Putin is healthy or not, there's still a lot of Russian activity. And, of course, meeting with um, Putin and Xi Jinping of China that took place several days ago when they had a big meeting in Beijing with over a 100 nations attended discussing future investment opportunities. Ah, makes me sick just to think about it. Not doing me any good either. Um, speaking of China, you asked, you know, you mentioned when we, when I asked you to come on this week that, uh, you wanted to talk about this, this, uh, Chinese, uh, aircraft that kind of buzzed a B-52 bomber. Oh my gosh. Yes. And uh, let me just set the stage here. The Pentagon had actually released a report saying that China has been buzzing our aircraft out in the Pacific over the last, um, really, especially over the last 18 months and two years. It's been going on for a while. And, you know, Japan has lived with this for a long time, as has Taiwan. But the Pentagon really went to great lengths and released a report listing out specific incidents. And then, you know, about a week later, an American B-52 is on a mission. It's nighttime. They're up over the South China Seas. Probably for them, these that B-52, they fly 10, 12, 14-hour missions very routinely. So there they are. You know, you probably crew of five aboard. And out of nowhere comes this hot-dogging Chinese J-11 pilot. Okay. Remember, it's dark. And this uh, J-11 pilot has, you know, practically the afterburners lit, and he closes up underneath the B-52 and in front. And at that point, the pilot cannot even see the J-11. He comes within 10 feet of the B-52. I'm telling you, those Air Force officers in that B-52 Great airmanship, but that was a, that was a brush with death as far as I'm concerned. That is so close. <laughs> Amazingly, of course, Pentagon got it all on video. So, you know, you can Google it and see it. It's just unbelievable. Scary thing about this is the Pentagon tells us that these pilots are doing this on orders. This is not a rogue or some young fellow out to prove himself. This is probably, you know, your J11 real experienced pilot deciding he's going to close with this, trying to create an incident. And this is down over the South China Sea. This is international airspace. Really, really bad and unacceptable. Despite that, we saw California Governor Gavin Newsom go meet with Xi Jinping in Beijing. I think it happened the same week. And we may be seeing a uh, a visit by Xi Jinping to San Francisco. But so, so, so scary what happened to that B-52. It's just completely unprofessional, unacceptable, and it's frankly just deliberate. They're just trying to provoke that B-52. I think maybe, you know, the B-52 used to have a tail gun, and they took him out many, many years ago. Maybe it's time to put him back on. I think, yeah, they might be wanting to do that, too. We've got only about three minutes to go. I mean, this is a lot of information um, today. Tell us about our friend in North Korea. How's he doing? Oh my goodness, in North Korea. Well, you know, business is good in North Korea because turns out he can sell his 
ammunition back to Russia to use in Ukraine. And isn't that, if that isn't just the worst. And, you know, Kim Jong-un continues to work on his nuclear weapons development. And, you know, the concern is that in these arrangements, you know, the uh, Russian defense minister has gone to Pyongyang and they're making a deal where North Korea is supplying artillery rounds. What's Russia giving them in return? Well, unfortunately, possibly some help and advice on adapting those older Soviet design systems to accommodate nuclear warheads. You know, North Korea does have nuclear weapons. Um, what they're trying to do is to get them onto submarines, onto longer range missiles, and possibly even onto aircraft. And they're still struggling with some technical issues. So the concern is that this trade of ammunition so Russia can use it against Ukraine um, that the payoff will be some assistance with their technical development. And, of course, China helps them, too. So no good news for North Korea. And like no good news anywhere right now. <laughs> Everybody seems to be, you know, in these constant conflicts and territorial, you know, spitting contests out there, in the, and especially in the Middle East. You've got I got one more minute. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Just back to the Middle East for a moment. You know, we've had Secretary of State Blinken actually there today and talking with uh, the Palestinian Authority leader in the West Bank, Mahmoud Abbas, who's an older gentleman, um, about, you know, they say they're not talking about how to get the Palestinian Authority to take control in Gaza, but I think they probably are. So furious diplomacy behind the scenes as the U.S. is still working to try to get the hostages out as well. Government of Qatar helping there. Uh, but really, the only path forward here is for Israel to complete its military objectives. I do think we can contain Iran and praise to our U.S. forces there, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Special Forces and Space Force watching over all of this. Uh, to try to contain that and make sure that we don't see escalation occurring off the Middle East until Israel can get its security back. Well, that's a lot of information. Dr. Rebecca Grant, always a pleasure to talk with you and get caught up on really what's happening in the world. So thank you very, very much. Thank you, Daryl. Love talking with Veterans Radio. Thank you. All right, folks. Uh, it's another Veterans Radio program. We've got music. We've got information for you. We encourage you to go to our website, veteransradio.org, to listen to this program or other programs that are in our archives. Also, if you'd like to support us, we'd love you to go on the website, click the donate button. 20 years, 20 bucks. That's all we're asking for at at this time. Um, We're going to be going out on another version of uh, God Bless America. This one happened to be uh, retired Marine Dan Clark, and he was singing at the World Series in 2013. So that's what we're doing. We will all be back next week on here on Veterans Radio. Until then, you are dismissed. And now, for the singing of God Bless America, please welcome retired United States Marine Sergeant Dan Clark. God bless America. Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. 
From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my.